Welcome to Newsworthy with Norrisworthy. Get ready for some awesome. All right, friends, here we go. January wrap up. Uh, We have got two of the best preachers to ever preach at the Highland Church of Christ. We have Mike Cope and myself. And then we'll also have some stuff from Jonathan Storman later on. So first, we're going to have a couple minutes with Mike Cope talking about this month's sponsor, the Pepperdine Bible Lectures, May 3rd through 6th at Pepperdine's beautiful campus in Malibu, California. If you want to hear more uh, about it, I encourage you to go to our, uh, there's a link on our website, our Facebook page, and uh, Mike's going to tell you more about the Pepperdine Bible Lecture. And then after Mike talks to us from the Cayman Islands, which is where he called in from, we're going to do the wrap-up with Jonathan Stormont. So, here we go. All right, friends, today we've got uh, a special cameo from Mr. Pepperdine Bible Lecture himself, Mike O. How are you, Mike? Hey, Luke. Good to talk to you, man. I'm uh, promoting the Pepperdine Bible Lectures right now. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. I'm, now, the question... We, we, we've the, never reached into the Caribbean market. And that, so. Yeah, so the, the question is, what do you do when you live in... or spend? time working in Malibu for vacation? The answer is you, you go to, you the, go to Cayman the Cayman Islands. Islands. That's right. Yeah. So I'm I'm promoting the Pepperdine Bible Lectures. and uh, Yeah, that's a tax write-off uh, then. <laughs> I haven't established that yet, but, uh, <laughs> you know, ironically, it turns out there's beautiful water and a lot of heat in the middle of January, and the diving is unbelievable. But, you know, that's just a serendipity. Oh, yeah. What a coincidence. Who would have thought that? I mean, it's great yeah. that you... You really live into the theme for this year, which is the cruciform living. And so <laughs> thank right. you really, really for modeling you, that for us. You've got, if you're the lectureship director, you've got to model that. And that's what you're doing right now. So thank you. Okay, let me tell you a story. You're welcome. I came, okay. last weekend I came home from doing an ElderLink event down in Houston. And my uh-huh. oldest daughter, Avery, says, okay, so show me the picture. I said, what picture are you talking about? She goes, the picture with Ruby Bridges. And I said, well, no, Ruby Bridges isn't at this conference. It's the one in May in, in Malibu at Pepperdine. So um, my daughter is going to be furious if I can't at least get a picture with her because she <laughs> loves Ruby Bridges. That's great. Well, I can at least guarantee you this. If you come on Wednesday night at Pepperdine Bible Lectureships and know how to take a selfie with a wide-angle lens, <laughs> you're going you're gonna to have a picture with Ruby Bridges. You know, it's funny because uh, – Obviously, I'm, I'm thrilled to get Ruby Bridges. She's been a hero forever. But for me personally, having N.T. Wright come is just, uh, you know, that's a once-in-a-lifetime thing. But, um, you know, inside our world, uh, a chance to sit down and converse with N.T. Wright's uh, a wonderful opportunity. But uh, in that larger world, people in Southern California, that's it's really in response to Ruby Bridges that we're hearing the most. Really? And under, understandably so. Mm-hmm. She, she's tied into our national history and and social justice change, and, and but all of it not so much from protest as from uh, a Christian position of praying for your enemies, you know, even as a child. So wow. anyway, tell your daughter that, yes, you'll have a chance to have a selfie with Ruby Bridges. There yeah. may be a few others in that picture. But, uh, you know, she won't know any difference. She's seven. So Ruby yeah. Bridges, obviously. And the other thing is, as you may recall, you're following N.T. Wright. Yeah, thanks for bringing that up again. So, so if you if you don't just completely drop the ball, I mean, if you if you keep us going onward and upward, I'll make it happen. Okay. Well, how All low right. exactly can I bring the ball down without it <laughs> this, being dropped? Yeah, this is not a game. This is not how low you can you go. So. 
Yeah. Okay, so N.T. Wright's going to be there. You know, everyone knows N.T. Wright. He's amazing, and there's going to be a lot of opportunity to hear him. It's not just a keynote he's doing Tuesday night. It's He's going to be there for a few days, right? Yeah, he's coming for the whole week. You know, one of the things I loved, loved about Scott McKnight, in fact, I was telling people about it today, is when Scott McKnight came, he and Chris fully participated. They came to okay. keynotes. They were in the middle of everything, and uh, I, I just loved that about him. Walter Brueggemann was the same way. Walter not only taught his classes, but, but he got in the middle of all the discussions. And um, N.T. Wright was asked to do that. He's coming just a little early so that he can speak to the Pepperdine faculty and staff. Uh, he's going to talk about Romans 12, a renewed mind. How does uh, Christian education contribute to that renewed mind? And uh, then after that, he'll he'll do the opening night keynote. He'll do an afternoon class every day. And then after his class, he's going to do two hours of small meetings where uh, ministers who've been influenced by him can sit down and ask him the questions they've wanted to ask. That's so that's so amazing. That, I'm so excited. Like, how do you write so much? <laughs> yeah, how does that happen? Yeah. And so yeah. it's amazing he's going to be mingling with normal people. You know what? I'll probably do the same thing. I'll mingle with people as well if people want to know that. Greg, I think you set up in another room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's also called the closet. Um, yeah. Greg Boyd will be there, which is a name that I, I think a lot of my listeners probably know. That's very exciting to have him there for doing a class with uh, Josh Graves, right? Exactly. Uh, I, and I give Josh credit for this. I've loved Greg Boyd for a long time. I think he's a very thoughtful uh, theologian, and I love that his his main venue is as a week uh, a preacher from yep. week to week yep. and leads a congregation. So he thinks through this at that level. But yeah, I'm, I'm thankful that Josh put that together. Um, a chance to think through what the meaning of the cross is in, in, in a Christian's life. You know, sometimes we say we don't want the faith to be political, and I, I believe that in one sense. But in another sense, as Greg Boyd always put out, it's very political. It has to do with yeah. how one lives one's life. Uh, how you view the world, how you conduct yourself, how you treat enemies, all, all of those things. So I'm very excited to have Greg. Wow. It sounds like a great lineup. Uh, plenty of people that have been on the podcast. Uh, Storm will be there. Richard Beck will be there. Obviously, you'll be there. Sean Palmer, Wade Hodges, a lot of people that everyone um, hopefully know. But um, yeah, May, Pepperdine, hope you guys are there. Mike, thanks for your time. Yeah, yeah thanks so much, Luke. Look forward to seeing many people out there in May. I'll thanks, man. You. Have a good day. All right, friends, it's that time of the month again. Get ready for some awesome! Yep, it is. It's that time. Jonathan Storm's back on. We're doing the January wrap-up. Thanks for having me back on, man. You're not even talking to them. I got him a microphone, and he's not even using it. Yeah, It's the microphone I started with, so welcome. Let me tell you, let me tell a story about Jonathan. So a few weeks ago on a Saturday night, I got a text message. Hey, 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 call me. I need to talk to you. And this is the typical, like Saturday night emergency call. And so I thought it was like the normal one. So I opened up my computer. Wait, what's out, the normal one? Well, like where you need me to send you a sermon. And so I got my <laughs> computer out and I got ready to send you a sermon. And then we we're talking. He said, no, 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 that's not it. And I said, well, oh my goodness, Jonathan, what's the matter? And you said, I tried to do a pull up and I hurt my back. You're the worst storyteller. What do you mean? What did I get wrong well, about that story? So many things. Um, you know, if I'm if I need an emergency sermon, I got a church with Randy Harris and Richard Back, and I'm gonna call you and be like, "Hey, give me your give me your scraps from last Sunday." First off, that's 
that's one thing. Then the the second. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I had a guy from my church who listened to your sermons while also you know coming to this church. He thought you were just ripping off my stuff during Advent. <laughs> he thought you were really just going taking my stuff and preaching it. Oh, and knowing you, you did not set that. You didn't tell him we were partnering together in the series. Well, I mean, I think partner's a little bit strong, but okay. <laughs> well, I did do a lot of the heavy lifting there. <laughs> okay, which so brings me back to I was doing pull-ups, you jerk. I didn't try to do a pull-up. One oh, day. okay. I, did I say that wrong? Did I yeah. say try? You made it sound like I was Pee Wee Herman trying to lift my own body weight. <laughs> <laughs> but you survived. You did. I did, and thank you for giving me stretches on how to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, speaking of preaching at church, um, how's it going? It's good. It's good. Yeah, yeah. They're, hey. Yeah, yeah. They're... I've heard rumors that you've had some feedback. Yeah, <laughs> I had um, one guy tell me um, after someone made a comment about my the pitch of my voice being a tad bit <laughs> on the Adele side and and less on like the Johnny Cash side. Um, <laughs> I said, Luke, maybe your voice wouldn't be so high if your pants weren't so tight. <laughs> Dude, I cannot tell you how happy that comment makes <laughs> me. Like, on so many levels. First off, the continuum that you have between Adele and Johnny Cash yeah. is spot on. And did, you see, did you see Adele on uh, James Corden, the karaoke carpool thing? No, I, I mean, I saw somebody shared it on Twitter or something, but I didn't click on it. Oh. Okay, so I think Rob and I are going to do another one when his book comes out in <clears throat> like six six or seven weeks, and I think I've got a great idea. So mm. they did the carpool karaoke where they drive around listening to her songs, and they both sing them together. What if me and Rob drive around, and we both quote the NUMA videos together? <laughs> may, you, may you walk so close to the rabbi that you say it is dust. We just say it together in unison. Wouldn't that be awesome? You know what bothers me is that I actually know you just missed that quote. Like, I know how that quote actually goes. Because <laughs> the difference is, like, you know, Rob and I are friends. Rob and yeah, you have more yeah. of a stalker-prey kind of relationship. You you have plagiarized his stuff well before you were friends enough to get his permission to do it. No. Um, the great thing is now I just say a friend of mine once said. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> That's, That's the whole beauty of the podcast is whenever uh, I quote someone, you know, a friend of mine once said. Yeah, like my... I have a Catholic friend who, yeah, when you talk about Richard Rohr stuff. I usually say my buddy Rich, but yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Have you watched, you've been watching Making a Murder, haven't you? Dude, it is crazy. How, are, have you finished? Okay, let me, I'm done with the show. You've watched it all, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, spoiler alert, we'll come back and I'll tell you to come back in. And if, <laughs> They're not going to be listening. You can't There's, do spoiler alerts on a podcast. Okay, how about this? We'll we'll talk about making a murder at the very end of the show. Okay. okay? Yeah. So good. no making a murder until the very end, and once we do that, it'll be the end of the show. Okay. Okay. We'll come back gotcha. to that. So uh, let's do the podcast wrap up thing. This All right. month we had uh, Sam Jeffrey, we had uh, uh, Stephen Prothro, Doctor Stephen Prothro, we had Becca Stevens, we had Miroslav Volf, and Randy Harris. Those it was a good five. month, man. It was. One of my favorites. One of your favorites, yeah. It's a pretty good list there. Yeah, I was so surprised you got Wolf. Why were you surprised by that? I I don't know. I I just, I always, um, I really respected him, and I was surprised by that, and... and, uh, I thought I would get even respectable. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, right. And then Prothero, is that how you say his name? I think it's Prothero. 
Okay, well, I I've seen him on like the Colbert Report yeah. a few times and really liked I was him. Lo- I was looking up on the internet how to say his name, and Colbert called him whatever you said it, and called it called him the wrong the wrong name. Yeah. So I just yeah. So I'm I in good him. company. That's that's where I first saw him too. Is Colbert? The God is not one. Yeah, that one. Uh, but also, um, who like James Martin, who was on, I guess, a month I ago. I love James Martin. He's a Colbert guy, too, so those are two yeah. people I learned about from the uh, rapport. Hey, you should get Jamie Smith on. James K.A. Smith. Jamie? James Smith? James K.A. Smith on, on Twitter, but he's the Desiring the Kingdom part guy who wrote that. Oh, okay. And he's got a new book coming out, You Are What You Love. James K.A. Okay, I'll put him down the list. Speaking of people that you told me I need to get back on, there's a rumor that um, a famous blogger slash missionary slash poor missionary um, who is slandering my name in Abilene is going to come back on and state her case or maybe express her penance and and, uh, sorrow for what she said about me. Who is that? The world's worst missionary. Oh, is she coming back on? Yeah, I think we're talking next week. I thought, oh, man. Yeah, she's got a lot of penance to do, doesn't she? Yeah, I think she just needs to get some things off and, um, you know, have some catharsis. And that's what, that's really what confession's for. And I think we're going to model that for everyone. Yeah. Is that when you do something wrong, you got to own up to it and say you're sorry and bring that darkness into the light. I think that's what that scripture is referring to. People that don't think as highly of yourself as you do. (laughs) So you, you hold her feet to the fire, man. Thank you. That's what I'm here for. You know, a lot of people think I'm just joking around, but no, we're, we take this serious. This is a serious interview, and it definitely is going to be that with her. Okay, let's jump in. Okay. Uh, so, second part of the two-part podcast on nonviolence. And I would say conclusively that there was more feedback from friends of the show, listeners, about those two podcasts than any I've had in a long time. Yeah, what was the feedback like? Um, there were some who were, uh, you know, they're excited hearing you know, people talk about it. They liked having two sides. They liked having, okay, here's one one perspective, one the other perspective. Uh, one of the other uh, feedback, uh, pieces of feedback I got consistently was, um, you know, people who wanted a more robust understanding of the Anabaptist view expressed, and maybe yeah. they felt like one side of that was not, as developed as it should have been. Yeah. Uh, did I, I, it's been a month since I listened to Preston's. Did he not do much with Anabaptist stuff? Uh, well, it's been a month since I listened to it as well. So, uh, I don't know. I, I felt like there wasn't, um, there wasn't a whole lot fully developed by that one. My next yeah. podcast that I'll post actually is Brian Zahn. And so we, we talk about Anabaptist stuff there. Prothrow talks about it. And so there was some that actually came out after yeah. the, uh, that one had come out. So they hadn't heard those yet, but yeah, I think it wasn't fully developed. So yep. here's the, go ahead. Here's the genius of the, um, Anabaptist stuff is the Anabaptist. They would say, yeah, okay. Violence, violence is sometimes necessary. And you and I both come from that stream and and sam does as well like sam teaches at the college that i went to um they would anabaptist would say yeah sure that there can be there needs to be governments that do war and and violence and stuff but um the way of jesus is different um 
the I'll tell you some stuff I appreciated about the podcast with Sam because uh, that family, like I think both of us know that family and they're they're a great family. Yep. I would I would actually like to take his history of terrorism class. That that sounds pretty interesting. Yeah, definitely. The, um, and I appreciated kind of the way what y'all were trying to do about bring nuance to this discussion because it is ironic in this discussion how much people just yell at each other when they disagree. Yeah. And it's it's ironic that so many, like at Harding Grad School, at one point, um, a, a, this topic came up in a grad class, and a pacifist stood up and yelled at another student, you want to take this outside about this very issue? No. That could not have happened. That is too Dude, ridiculous. No, no. That, I, and, and that's the thing. It is. It's ridiculous. Like it's uh, – um, no, I just didn't know you would stand up and yell in class. <laughs> no, I, I didn't do that. Oh, that was, okay. That, so here's the thing. Like I lean maybe towards pacifism largely because I'm a small man. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a practical decision, right? It is. It Very is. Very practical. And, um, and that goes back to the pull-up thing, you know? And so you use the hand uh, that you've been given. The, okay, the problem with the, the pacifist thing, and this is what Sam was saying, is that how committed really are you to pacifism? At what point do you draw the line and say, no, I'm not right. going to do it? You know, he had yeah. the great example of, you know, I wouldn't do something if someone broke into my house. I'd just call the police. Okay, well, then you're bringing someone in from the outside and making them right. act right. violently, right? And so, so – what, one of the strongest arguments that I think Sam had, and one that I, I think has to give a, a pure pacifist pause, is the stuff on Paul did allow the Roman the Roman government to protect him. Yeah, knowing what they were going to do if they would have, uh, I mean, like they would use force, and Paul very knowingly went into that. And, and I, I can hear my. Friends on the other side saying, yeah, but Paul is headed to lay down his life, so don't forget that. But I, I, How would you hold those two things together? So Paul's willing to lay down his own life, but he wasn't so committed to laying down his life that he didn't use you know, professional soldiers, whatever they're called at the time. Yeah. The people whose job it was to, uh, to get violent when, when they, they had to. And right. So, and they were – Roman soldiers were incredibly violent, much more so. So than what we we have today. That's, my, my, that, that's probably why they're the introduction video for UFC fights. It's Romans huh. in the in the Coliseum. Yeah. Okay, so my problem is that, joke, it, <laughs> dude, I, I don't see UFC fights. Um, that is it after your is, bedtime. <laughs> it's after bedtime. They are pretty late. Yeah, and they're costly. I try to give my money to the poor, but you you keep doing what you're doing. Hey, I'm just trying to support former uh, guest of the podcast and former three-time <laughs> UFC middleweight champion, Rich Franklin. Thank you very much. Dude, your ability to squeeze in a plug is just un- unsurpassed. Yeah, it's a gift, you know? And who so, am I to take credit for it? I just look above because he's the one who gave me the gift. So here's where I think, you know, trying to wrap up the, the Preston and, and Sam conversation um, – Last, last month we talked about Preston. Here's what I'll say about what uh, Sam. I think he's right in lots of ways. I think he's seen evil that we can't even imagine. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. he, he's seen people do great harm to each other, and I think 
I think I'd probably think the way he thought if I'd seen what he'd seen. That's why I'd like to take that class. Because um, when I was hearing him talk, I was thinking about those 21 Christians who got beheaded on the beach last year by ISIS. Yes. And I was thinking if I was there and there was some kind of button that I could have pushed that would have made the Navy SEALs come in, I would have hit that button, right? Yes. Yep. Um, and if someone comes into my home and tries to kill my wife and kids, I have a gun and I'm, I'm going to do something to protect them. The, the nuance here, and this is the thing that I really, I really do mean, I hope this comes across well, is I, I might do something. Luke, are you there? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You might do something. I might do something to, um, like, I might, I might do violence, mm-hmm. but I would not call it holy. And okay. that. What's the difference? And, Okay, well, like, so the Bible is so nuanced with the, all this. Like, David is a man after God's own heart, and he, you know, we love to tell the story of David killing Goliath. But you can't forget, God did not let David build the temple because he had spilled so much blood. And yeah. violence is never redemptive. And I, I heard I heard Sam say that. Like, he's, try, he's trying to communicate this from a Christian perspective, and I think he's doing, um, from his position and the stuff he's seen, I, I think he's doing a good job. The The thing is, all it can do, all governments can do is restrain evil. Um, and that's why, like, framing the conversation as, you know, a pacifist against somebody who's just war, I don't think that's very helpful because it gets down almost like temperaments and personalities. Um, and the, the, the difference for me, I think, isn't I've read some Augustine lately, and just war, I, I get. Um, my problem is Christians rarely critique any war anymore. And they used to be known for being the first. I mean, Christians used to be known as peacemakers, and, and um, yeah. the last public Christian to critique a war with any credibility was Dr. King in Vietnam. Hmm. Okay, right? So- yeah. Maybe maybe there's been some well, like, there, there's been some people who are outspoken about Iraq and stuff like that but you know maybe oh, to the yeah, magnitude that's true. of Dr. That's King. True. So uh, you don't want it to you don't want to baptize it and make it a holy war. So you don't want to use the word holy to describe war. Your brother is a sniper, is that right? Yeah, he is a uh, Curtis is a marine um sniper but not anymore. He okay, so, so he, he was a marine watch sniper your mouth. and you can't even do a quote. Um, so he's as a Marine sniper and he's uh, like, like you said about Sam, like I can't imagine what he's went through. And I think in the same way that you, if it's not good news, if it's not good news everywhere, when you try to think of the way that God works, um, I think any discussion about violence has to include the things that some of these people have seen into the conversation. Like that has to be on the table somewhere. And yeah. so you bring in what, what like someone like your brother has seen and you try to explain to him, okay, this isn't holy, but I support what you do. Why? Why are you making that distinction between support and holy? So, in in preparing for this podcast, I watched American Sniper. Just which, just for the podcast. That's honestly, completely. sincerely, I have not. I've not seen that movie. It wasn't a movie that I was like, yeah, I'm gonna see that. Um, I watched that. Movie. Do you not like Bradley Cooper? I I do like Bradley Cooper a lot. Um, 
that movie strike me as one long commentary on PTSD. Okay. Have you seen it? Oh yeah, yeah. I'm an American. <laughs> yeah. No, and and my heart swelled, in you know, in certain places as well. And I was. Oh yeah. Um, and and so the movie did what it was what it was trying to do to me. Um, the difference is, I, I think I told you this just this last July. One of the friends that I grew up with, um, like it was like every Christmas with yeah. us, um, got shot in the face by a soldier with PTSD, killed, um, killed him instantly, and it was a uh, um, that they didn't know each other. The guy just had some unresolved trauma, and part of part of the challenge for me is. You know, even if a war is just and necessary, like even if it is restraining evil, um, it it is still not God's dream. And when you are killing another person, you are, even if, again, even if you're called to protect other people, and like it does great emotional trauma to you. And the word for that, the Bible would say, is sin. Like it's it's breaking of shalom. Even if you're not the one responsible for it, even if, and and one of the challenges I have, and this is why the Anabaptist in me I think can be helpful, is you can't confess a sin to somebody who doesn't think it's a sin. Mm-hmm. And I, I I have a great heart for soldiers. Um, my brother is one, and I think of the a lot of the PTSD is people knowing like. Even if they were doing the right thing, like yeah, there's something that's not right about it. But when, right. when people typically hear the word sin, they think of like the very basic Greek word, like missing the mark. Like there was a right thing to do and you did the wrong thing. And this, I think, would require a far more nuanced understanding of sin. Like they're doing, there is already sin in the world that we're having yeah. to participate in, to be a part of. We've in some ways perpetuated it, and you are stepping in and doing something that is a mess and it's going to have negative ramifications on you. Like after the, um, I got on a, um, what is his name? Uh, the, uh, load survivor guy who passed away yeah. not too long ago that, um, he's a Texan and obviously everyone knows who I'm talking about, <laughs> but I was reading a story about him and they were talking about PTSD and some of the sh- struggles that the, I think the guy who ended up shooting him, uh, the fellow soldier, they were explaining how PTSD works and like you you don't ever sleep. And so there's no separation of now and back then. And so you mm. act like you're still in war. And so there's accounts of like him swerving off the road because he saw a piece of trash, which sometimes uh, in Iraq that they use trash to hide a bomb or something. And like it, it really messes with you. And so yeah. there's an understanding of sin that's like I did the wrong thing, but there also has to be like a bigger understanding of sin. So it's not like – you are a sin by going going over there as much as right. it's like you you danced with the devil. You you like the Nietzsche quote, like be careful the monsters you you chase, otherwise you'll become them. Like yeah. when you step into something that is so uh, awful, it is going to get awful on you. Yeah. And so the church I, I like what your point is like the church has to have a place to um, to acknowledge that, to yeah. to help. Yeah. So that's, that's and, and and to be I, like I think an army chaplain would be well-served and, and being able to describe something like that, you know? Yeah. 
which gives the church a different stance in the political sphere. It's not we're baptizing the same, you know, by doing this, you're doing, you know, you're spreading the gospel or you're expanding the kingdom. This right. is a different understanding of that, which we'll use as our, our segue into the Stephen Prothrow conversation, which also. Hold on. But I want to say one more thing yep. about this. <laughs> so it's in, in the end of the Bible in Revelation, heaven all centers around a slain lamb. Mm-hmm. And and the word for lamb is lammy, lammy poo. It's the diminutive word. Pretty it's sure like, that's not the actual word, <laughs> yeah. but it could be true. Oh, it, like it means like that. Yeah, yeah. It's like the diminutive word for lamb. And the only other time, I mean, it's saying the, the slain lamb rules the universe. And the only other time that that word is used in the New Testament is in Luke ten, when Jesus sends out his disciples to do kingdom of God ministry. And, and the Anabaptist thing I would, I would like to say would be there, there are two ways that are set before you, and I think one is the way of the hero, very much the Bradley Cooper, Chris Kyle, um, you know, saving. Thanks for saying that name, Chris Kyle, earlier when I look, was looking for it. Appreciate that. <laughs> Re- restraining evil, which is a, a noble thing, right? Yeah. Um, protecting the underdogs and the weaklings. And then there's the way of the saint, which is, um, I think, something that the Christian faith has to preserve. Hmm. And so you're saying there needs to be a, a saint and a hero. Like there's a place for both? Is that what you're saying? Um, so because you can't like support war without saying that there, there are going to be American heroes. Right, right. Um, you know, I don't know. Like, I think, that's, I think that's what Augustine was trying to do with there was you know, two cities. A city built on the love of God and the city built on the love of self. And basically, uh, I'm just trying to bring some kind of resolution to your point-counterpoint podcast. Oh, because obviously we can resolve this oh, yeah. issue. So I think we got it figured out, world. You're yep. welcome. You're welcome. That's the awesome you're getting ready for. Okay. <laughs> Stephen Prothrow. Uh, his comment about the things that happen to religion when it gets in bed with politics was quite telling. I found it to be fascinating and heartbreaking and disgusting as, uh, the quote from Ed Dobson, who just uh, passed away Mm -hmm. a few weeks ago, where he said, I was in those backroom meetings when we were founding the religious right and it had nothing to do with abortion. That is so- that's just crazy. Like we thought it's just about abortion and Prothros connects and says, no, it's really about segregation. And you had these white Christians that wanted nothing to do with integration. And so they couched it in religious terms to really mask their racism. Is Prothero a Christian or do you know? I thought he said he kind of, I thought he said he was, I don't remember. I see. I mean, he seems well informed about kind of Christian faith um, and on, on Colbert's show, he struck me as one. The, the, the stuff he said about the Southern Baptists originally coming out pro-choice, is that right? <laughs> it's religious right. I don't know if it's accurate. <laughs> I don't know. I, know. I mean, I can't. I, it, that will change. That will turn upside down my world if I look into that and... and do the it's, fact check. And how would it turn your world upside down? Because, I mean, everything he, it, it seems like it would confirm 
the kind of na- the kind of story he's laying on top of the rise of the religious right. So the idea that people would have a conviction, or not say a conviction, that's a bad word. People had a desire to do something. They did it, and then years later, they gave it a theological reason. Right. That's a narrative which we have seen played out over and over again, yeah, sure. which is not hard to believe at all, which is part of why I would go, okay, I, I can buy into that because I see that all the time. But not here's the thing. like I, It would be really hard for me to um, think abortion was ever like because uh, it's just the but was the it way- be- it was because they're they're hands off about politics like originally Graham himself like Billy Graham was saying mm-hmm. uh, you know we're about the business of souls not about whatever and so it's just we're not gonna we're not gonna fight that battle no and and by the way that's that's my dream world like I I really love that and your your comment about churches filled with people from all all different political stripes that's an ideal church it would be. But I've never known a, an American form of Christianity that wasn't, you know, deeply opposed or deeply divided over Why do you abortion. think that is? Why don't think you've, you haven't seen a church like that? What do you think that's so well, hard? Well, I, I, technically, I did see a church like that. Your 10 member church people. doesn't count. Yeah. I'd, okay. <laughs> I called it. You did. But, yeah. I mean, they, they did not talk about... My church plant started that way. It was perfect. <laughs> it was just me and my wife and my one-year-old. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I think, you know, a lot of it is... If, if, you, think, if you think abortion is, is killing a life, then that goes beyond... You know, if it's legalized murder then it's the next slavery issue or whatever. And that's the way I've heard people talk about it. Um, yeah. And then there's there's some um, moderate, nuanced people that are wouldn't say it like that. But I've never – and then I've, I've, I've also met plenty of Christians who um, have, you know, like, like the Bill and Hillary Clinton kind of – what was the line that he said – Bill Clinton said something like, "Make abortion rare, safe, and legal." Oh yeah, yeah. So that's um, so. But you have two different sides of how to deal with the issue of abortion. It's not like someone saying, "Hey, let's do abortion. It's a great thing." You have right, right. No, that's two right. opinions of how to deal with it. Did you ever read um, Freakonomics? Oh yes, yes. So they had this like mm-hmm. their argument, which I, I will just About say it as much. As, yeah, they said. Um, a drop in crime was because of the legalization of abortion. And that – no, hear me out. I'm quoting as I understand this book. They were saying abortion is a could be a good thing because there are people – which I'm not saying this is true. There are – have I made that as clear as possible? Like that's not my oh, quote. Oh, yeah. Abortion. You're nailing it, man. You're yeah, just you. totally nailing it. <laughs> but the quote is that because you have kids who are not wanted no longer on the streets those people were more apt to be the ones committing crimes and that when those people were aborted that therefore those people who were going to commit crimes weren't around Nietzsche would applaud yeah I'm sure there's some other that's yeah you, you, the, the strong the, yeah I mean you just said I, Heil Hitler over there yeah that's Third yeah. Reich's dream yeah okay but we're not saying that like neither side is saying this is good. What my dream of what church is, is that you have two groups of people who can say, 
I think the best way to deal with this issue is to outlaw it and never do And then I have an opinion that the best group way to do this is let's worry about uh, you know, making sure poor people are not out of choices. And I think the church yeah. can disagree over the best way for that to be politically handled, yeah. but not have to baptize their religious beliefs. Yeah. I, and, and, and his stuff about how it used to be that way, one of the reasons I like Churches of Christ is because um, for many people listening, you may know that Churches of Christ were real sectarian for decades thought we were the only ones going to heaven, yeah. kind of buried our hand, head in the sand. And one of the really good things that came out of that is about 15, 20 years ago when we started like being like, hey, you know who I like? The Anglicans. And, the, you know, the, yeah. the Baptists aren't all wrong. They've got Wait a minute. Things. They're not the devil. But what happened in our sectarianism is we kind of isolated ourselves from the rise of the religious right. Yeah. We were not, we weren't. We didn't. We were in our own bubble of crazy, but we weren't in that bubble of crazy. I don't know. I I remember my church, and this is the Northeast, not down in rural Arkansas. But I remember in the Northeast when Clinton won. I thought, oh no, it's all over. Someone's <laughs> going to come and shut our church down, and they're going to put bars in front so that we can't go in there. And I think there's going to be like armed guards around my Christian school saying, "Nope, you now have to go to the first school of Darwin." You know, I don't know. I thought I thought it was over. Like as a as a kid, I, I, we, we were connected. Sinker. <laughs> so I would hear maybe some stuff like that in my house, but never in my church. Oh, okay. You know, like that, um, the, so, I mean, and we, we sincerely did have a pretty diverse church. Yeah. That was, when you have 10 people, I mean, that's pretty diverse. But I mean, it was like, there was several different races at the church. I mean, it was, um, couple of different socioeconomic levels anyway it's best, you know best church ever i think you can make a sitcom off that church with as much as you've talked about it man there are so many stories that come out of it and most of them i just you can't ever say well why not just tell me one of them oh, no uh, no okay we're, we're gonna move on yeah, okay becca stevens i love someone who humbles you why would she try to humble me? We're, we're, oh, she's just so good at it. No, we're just best I friends. I love when she said, when she uh, heard you were a senior minister, she said that scared her. <laughs> and I thought, join the club, sister. Join the club. Oh, that's scary. Yeah, I remember when she said that. <laughs> I'm speaking at an event with her next next uh, month in California. Really? Yeah, I look forward to getting to meet her and know her. And give her some more ammunition. Don't say anything stupid. What event are you speaking at with her? Um, it's an event in Fresno, California. Huh. It's a, a Church of Christ conference, and she's speaking at it. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. She's great. Big fan of her stuff. Big fan. The um, Okay, so that Dixie Chicks thing. I literally have been thinking about that for a few weeks. Dude. Dude. Oh, yeah, my husband wrote those last two songs. I cannot believe that he wrote Cowboy Take Me Away and God Bless the Broken Road. That yeah. is just amazing to me. Yeah, I know. I, are, you, are you a country music fan? No. You know, remind me, my brother met someone who listens to podcasts, and I'm sure that was the exact same reaction they had. Your brother's the newsworthy, newsworthy guy? <laughs> same same yeah. thing. Than a string of expletives. <laughs> you need to tell him this. 
<laughs> I mean, I know country music, but I'm not a country music guy. But that is pretty crazy. Dude, That's I, ridiculous. I loved those songs in like high school, and lo- man, I love those songs. I can just imagine you just jamming out to that in your Subaru <laughs> station wagon with the windows down, just sing on <laughs> "Cowboy Take Me Home." Yeah. Dude. So let's talk about. There's a line that she has in her book that it's life is learning to say hello and goodbye. Mm-hmm. I love that. So poignant and so right. And I think I think that I said this in the podcast. What I love about Becca is whenever she's doing theology and describing God and spirituality, it's done in the context of someone who has their fingernails dirty from being in the dirt of life. This is someone yeah. who deals with um, you know, obviously personal experience, you know, losing her dad at a young age, and then dealing with women who've gone through like the work like as a father of a daughter, like you and I yeah. both know that's some of the most heartbreaking things that you'd never want your kid to go through. And in the, in the midst of that, in the midst of that like filth of what life can be, there is like love and hope and joy blooming up in there. And it's just so encouraging. Mm. I, I love people who have put skin on, on the way of Jesus. I think there, there's a, a way of talking about, the gospel and it doesn't ring hollow. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like Richard Beck, like um, mm-hmm. somebody who, you know, when he, when he talks about the poor, that's not abstract. That's people's names that he yeah. has coming to his mind. Yes. Yeah. His, like his laundry mat church plan idea. Oh, what a great idea. You know, like, we're... I'm sure you're going to do it. Yeah. There's no doubt in my mind. But you read that, and if I read that from someone else, maybe I'm so jaded, I'd go, oh, yeah, I'm sure that's just some you know guy in seminary who thinks this is a great idea. But when you read it from Richard Beck, you're not thinking this is just some guy in his ivory tower or some right. lady just in her seminary class writing some things she thinks is shocking and nice, no idea. Like with Beck, you go, there's a real good chance he's done something like that. Or he's really, you know? Last night he preached at Highland, and he was uh, he started off by saying, I'm sorry, I've got to leave right after this because I have to go give um, bus rides or I have to drive a van of people from Freedom because Bob, the other, one of the other volunteers at Freedom, can't do it. Yeah. And, and then he said, because the buses run in Abilene and they can get to Freedom fine, but for those of us who are not in a certain socioeconomic class, we don't know that they stop running. And so they'll drop people off but they won't take them back home. And so as soon as he was done, instead of, you know, like the favorite time for preachers is right after you've preached, right? Yeah. When I finished preaching at Highland a few weeks ago, that's what I wanted to do. I was trying to get to the buses <laughs> yes. to do that. Instead, I went and got chips and salsa with my dad at a Mexican yeah. restaurant. So, okay. So, um, Becca Stevens. Yeah. 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 What, one of the things that I found about her stuff is that like it orients death into being part of the equation. Like that's the part of life is learn to say hello and goodbye. Mm-hmm. And as a church planner, one of the struggles is you deal with people who are like young, healthy, like I'm not doing a ton of funerals as a church planner. One of the things that I found to be so helpful for me in this new job is I get a chance to go have lunch with widows every once in a while. Uh, mm-hmm. They gather pretty often. Getting to go and hear them talk about the other side of life, like the other end of the spectrum where it's not just giving birth to kids, but it's also 
what do you do when you, you buried your husband and, and yeah. talking about his memory and all that stuff. And it seems that so much of like church planner, like, like popular cool churches are running away from that. I remember yeah. Beck talking about going to one of those big, really cool churches. And he said, you know, the critique is that there's no death on the stage. Like you have all young, fit, pretty people up there who in some ways are like masking the other part of life where yep. it's not young and fit, but you're at the end of your life. And I don't know. I feel like it's more holistic having it all tied together. Listen, I, I have found out, I said this Sunday. And that's why I'm friends with you. <laughs> no, because we both share that conviction. That's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I understood what you were trying to say. The, I said this Sunday in a sermon, I think God has given me a fair share of wisdom from doing funerals. Um, How's that? Like on, my, um, on my desk right now is a Bible and a ledger of notes from a funeral I did last week. A family, for Christmas, their, their dad and grandfather was dying. And they knew, I mean, what are you going to get somebody who, yeah. who's dying? So they just wrote him things that they appreciated about him. And if you want to judge your life and, and kind of evaluate how you're doing in life, I think you can go two ways. You can you can get on Amazon and look at all the advertisements of the pretty young people that are and the stuff they're buying and or you can look at notes like that. And I I I found my some of my favorite people in life, sincerely, I mean this, have spent considerable amounts of time talking and thinking about death. And I think the reason that is, is because things lead to their opposites. People hmm. who think a lot about death are able to cherish and receive life as a gift. And um, people yeah. who, who won't go there, I mean, the great temptation is just to waste your life and distract yeah, yourself. Yeah, definitely. When, when I'm hearing a widow describe her husband, it makes me think, what am I doing that right. I want my wife to describe me about? And it's not going to be, oh, look at a podcast or you preach a sermon. She's going to say things that really, I mean, I think. You're not, you don't have anything coming to mind, do you? Like, <laughs> for like good things. He's got really great hair. He's got oh, really yeah. nice hair. Um, I was, yeah. Yeah. But it puts everything in perspective. Like what really, and this is like the kind of some of the like legalistic religion I grew up in makes me averse to this kind of talk. Like, what do you, you know, if, if you died tonight, what do you want, you know, Jesus to say to you? Like when, like, it's not that it's more the yeah. self-evaluation of what really matters. It's hard to really think, yeah, I'm really excited about, you know, getting a new car or, you know, yeah, that kind of right. stuff. When you think of your mortality, like it's not going to last forever and it puts things in perspective. Yeah. I, I love that. And I, I love I love talking about death for yeah. some reason. My mom, I grew up in a house where mom talked about death all the time. Took me to all the funerals. I did my first funeral when I was 13 years old, but really? mom was, it's, what, and it sent. What do you think that I, guy thought about when he's like, yeah, 13 year old <laughs> did my funeral. What does it say about him? Uh, it, it, that was just how the great that, Yeah. He, he really did. In Arkansas, in so many ways. preaches a straw sometimes. That's that's where that <laughs> phrase comes from. So uh, I also liked Becca talking about um, what it looked like to kind of 
lead a local church in tension. I loved her. I loved you telling her about acapella instrumental thing, like, and her comparing it to the wine and no al- alcohol and no alcohol. That, yeah. was, that was great. Yeah. That's funny. I met the uh, uh, Episcopalian next door uh, to their church, and it turns out he used to intern for Becca. Really? Yeah, he's like, she's amazing. She's so good. Anyway, Miroslav Volf, next one. Okay, so there are times in life where you just want to punch your computer in the face. That was one of those. The uh, the connections didn't work. I kind of switched over from using Skype to FaceTime, and um, I literally had just maybe about 55% of his words like I really understood. And it's Miroslav Volf. I didn't want to stop and say, hey, yeah. you say that again. So I'm trying to figure out every way to, whatever. So not the best moment of my life, but it was really great to listen to him talk. Yeah. And I loved, I really enjoyed the book. And one of the things I liked about him was arguing for religion in a pluralistic world. Yeah. And that, okay, what does it look like? And so there's one option that says, okay, well, you know, everyone's leading up the same hill and it's no big deal. But what he was doing was trying to understand how religions can all work towards human flourishing while still be evangelistic religions where you don't have to say, no, I don't want everyone to not be a Jesus person. I can want everyone to be a Jesus person, yeah. still love my neighbors myself, still do unto others as I have them do unto me. And I think that's a healthy way of understanding how religion functions in a pluralistic society. I, I, I like what you just said. I did not, I have not read his new book yet. Is he saying basically what we should try to do is find where the, the great world religions like, you know, Christianity, Islam, uh, Jism and Buddhism, where the vision of flourishing overlaps and all work together for that? I, I don't think he's saying that. What I think he says is that there are resources internally within all religions that would help us be able to all work together collectively for human flourishing. And okay. his example is, as a Christian, he looks at the golden rule. Do unto others yeah. as you would have them do unto you. If that is a resource that we tap into, then I think we can effectively interact with our neighbors. I like it. Yeah, it's really helpful. And his other thing, which I thought was so, so good, is th- the real struggle of today is that we think that we can live by bread alone. Oh, right. I love and, that. And so it's like this materialistic view of the world that it's just about what I have, what I get, what keeps me full. And we miss the the other dimension, like the, the spirituality that is beyond us. and The transcendent. Yeah, exactly. I One of the things I loved that he said was, God does not need to be defended. Yes, exactly. Um, that that Dal- that's Dallas Willard said, the, I do not defend the Christian faith. The Christian faith defends me. Oh, yeah. And I, I, I think there is a, a sense in which... In a pluralistic world, that's a really good thing for us to remember. Mm-hmm. Like, we're, God's honor is not dependent on, you know, me winning this argument. Yeah. What do you think it happened? What What do you think it does to us as Christians when we do think God's honor is contingent upon me winning an argument or, you know, making the right case? Man, I think most of the time, arguments when it gets into an argument, what what the person is trying to do is get the other person to shut up. Like it is not a mutual discernment of truth. It is basically, uh, it's just what my wife wants to do. We can argue it. Just (laughs) shut up. I, I could see why anyone who spent a large amount of time with you 
would try to go that route of getting hmm. you to. I don't understand that. To not talk, yeah. Oh. So I I think our, the, one is a one is a position that is prideful, which is the the anti God. It is the greatest sin in Christian Christianity, and the other what he's kind of espousing is more. It sounds more. It sounds filled with humility. Yeah. Yep. Like I'm not God. I don't need to defend God, but I can. I can rest in in God and. Uh, the Pope before Pope Francis Benedict, he said that the greatest evidence of Christianity today is her saints, the lives of the saints, and mm. those are not people who went around, you know, defending God. Mm-hmm. I like it. I like it. It's good. Okay, we're going to talk about Randy Harris, and then uh, then we'll talk about making a murderer. Deal. Okay. Randy Harris, she was great. It's brilliant. We're done. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I never, I, I, I never cease to amaze at your ability to turn a conversation back towards yourself. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> and, and receive insults with such stunning uh, reversals in your mind. I think it's just, it's just, um, it's about being positive. It's like really seeing life as a gift. It is. It is. You you are really good at. You're really good at that. Apparently, you you receive a lot of things as gifts that are, are meant as weapons. Non-dualistic thinking, buddy. Read some oh, Richard yeah. Rohr. So, Randy Harris, you guys were in the same city for Elderlink or something. Yeah, yeah, we're down to Houston for that. He is. Did has he got you to become a contemplative prayer yet? I. He said something like it's. Either he's said I'm already done with that, or it's not worth it to even try. <laughs> I don't know what he meant by that. I, I think what he's saying is like, I think you, you're already there yet. Yeah. Oh, so you've already ascended. I think he said like I've arrived. Maybe mm, that's that sounds like Randy yeah. to tell a a young man filled with hubris that you you've arrived. Yeah. That, or maybe he said it was a lost cause. Maybe that's what it was. That's or maybe he lost. Yeah, that might have been it. Or maybe you're lost. Yeah, maybe this one is. So, the idea that you can just sense when someone has been spending time in solitude. Yeah. This is a person of peace. This is a person who lives in contemplation. Yeah, I I think that's the most tangible benefit of it. Like, you learn there's just something different. And I think it's you don't react in situations. You learn to respond you think that's a fair response? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like the, you learn how to act out of peace instead of that. Yeah, and I don't think you can get there any way other than solitude. You know, he said that – he asked a question in that thing or he said – I'm sure there's evil contemplatives as well. But I was trying to think, I don't know any. Huh. I've never, you know, met somebody who has spent a lot of time just sitting with the Lord who also was like – an awful person, you know? So you think if if you practice solitude, you practice silence, you practice prayer, that it just ha- like it just has to change you if it's genuine. I, yeah, right, right. I mean, you could obviously. Yeah. Um, you could go to jail for 18 years for a crime that you didn't commit and become a terrible person because of it. 
You are just wanting to get to this. Let's do it. Let's, Let's do, do it. Okay. Spoiler alert. Breaky, uh, what is it? Breaking Bad? Nope. It's making a murderer. Let's talk about mm. it right now. Sorry, Randy. You're done. <laughs> okay. So I watched the first three episodes one night. It's like meth, isn't it? You just well, can't stop. I didn't live in Arkansas ever, so I've never actually done meth. <laughs> so uh, I don't know the answer to that. But I watched the first three episodes, and I was so upset. Like, it, it was depressing right. to me. I jumped to episode number 10, and I was like, I just want to be done with it. Watch Dude, me. you're that guy? I did. I did it. But then I've since gone back and read just a plethora of articles and me responses too. to it. Yeah. Did, you, did you hear that? Um, okay, first off, did he do it, Luke? You're on the jury. What do you say? Uh, I think that he obviously was innocent of the first thing, which I think right. I've already established. I think the second one, I think he is guilty. What about the nephew? I think his ability to function at life with his uh, skill set of intelligence has um, made him unable to really even be able to talk to... Uh, so right. I, 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 I don't think his nephew was involved at all. I, I think... Uh, yeah, 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 that, yeah, innocent. Guilty and innocent. What do you think? Yeah, that's that's about where I land. Although, you think he's guilty? Man, I, I'm with the the uh, the pro, the defense on the last episode where he said, I, hope, I he hope he is because if we have put a man away for life on two different occasions who's innocent, then I can't live with myself. Yeah. And... I, yeah. I think what happened is he... Let's not make him out to be a saint to begin with, okay? Right, he's, yeah, he's yeah. Some, some bad life choices, and he's done some terrible things. I think he goes to prison, and it makes him a worse person. Like, we put him in an environment um, that made him worse. This is my – did you ever watch Homeland? Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. so Brody is you know captured for eight years or whatever, and he comes back, and he's like a terrorist. Now, my thinking is – we as Americans put him over there. And so whatever happened to him there changed who he was because of our choice to let him be a soldier. He gets captured. I feel like whatever happened to him because of that in some ways is like beyond his control. Like they, they changed his identity. In yeah. The, I think Avery, like you put him in prison, 18 years, some bad things festered in there. Yeah. I, I, I'll tell you, I, it took me a while after ending the, documentary to come back to thinking he was guilty and it was because of outside stuff but when i finished that documentary i wanted some kind of old testament judgment i saw you tweet about that you, yeah. you know what i mean like you just it is so unfair and um the how about the the and, and here's what i realized i was being the kind of person that frustrates me in every other arena of life. What do you mean? Which is like, I am on the very, I'm very far away from the information that actually only yes. a few people need to know. You know what I mean? Because yes. it'll people's lives and stuff, and um, to make decisions. I'm so far away from it, and I'm making just insanely, yeah, critical. You know, because you, was, don't have, yeah, you don't yeah, you don't have all the so information. Bad. That's what's scary to me is that that story was told in such a way that it sure seemed like he was innocent, the way they told yeah. the story. Yeah. And there's always two sides of the story. And it, you, the documentary people said, you know, we didn't put all the information in because we only had so much time and this is what we thought was most compelling 
for uh, the prosecution, so we did the best we could to represent their case. But everyone's biased. Like it doesn't matter if you're trying yeah. to not be biased. You have a slant that you want to take, whether it's because you think he's innocent or because you're trying to tell a good story. Like here's a, a really telling thing. Uh, Jonathan Merritt, you know that is? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I read something where he was telling young writers how to write good editorials or whatever, some sort of piece. And he said, if everyone's zigging, you need to zag. Mm. And I thought, that's exactly what's wrong with us. Like, as a preacher, I want to zag and tell something new and original and fresh. And so people go, oh, I never thought of it that way. But that's not asking the question of, like, what's right and what's wrong. It's not asking what's most truthful. You're, you're asking the question of what's going to get me the most traffic, what's going to give me the most hits, what's going to make people listen to me the most. Yeah. I, so which is what I've talked about on wrap-ups before, which is vainglory, which is there's a gap between – and this is what Chris, Christians have called advice for a long time for a lot of reasons. But one of them is because you, you're, um, you're pres- – it's not true. Yeah. And um, it's not – like, I think a lot of us hold deep convictions that we would never say because they're not popular. And a lot of the things that we present as our convictions, we don't even believe because they're popular. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? What convictions or beliefs do you hold to that you wouldn't say because they're not popular? Well, there's a reason that I'm not saying them, right? <laughs> I mean, but I mean... But I'll no, just... we, like, we are influenced by a plethora of different things that influence how we see the world. And if we're being, I was talking to Randy about this and he said, everyone has biases when you're making a decision. Let's just put them on the table and let's just try to be aware. This is influencing me. And maybe because that person said it over there in group B and group A has X, Y, and Z in that group. Maybe I'd rather be in group A just because of the people, even if I don't really agree with them, but I see, I want to be in their company more than I want to be in the company of group B. That affects how we make decisions too. Dude, groupthink, I think, is one of the most uh, problematic things um, for – well, I, I mean, I think it gets back to the conversation you had with Prothero, or however you say his name, that if you know – That is certainly not it. It's his Italian cousin. <laughs> that basically uh, how, how Christianity and like the religious right got linked together. Yeah. And I really think groupthink has a lot to do with that. And it's just this, you know, like, hey, I want to be popular with that group of people that I, I like and respect. Yep. And so I'll say whatever they, they think on X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Yeah, because you want to fit in. You want to be in the you want to be on the platform with them. That's why you wear such tight pants because now you live in Austin. Yeah, I just want to fit in. That's what well, I, good luck. It sounds like you're just barely fitting in them. You said it fat? No, I'm just saying the no, guy said like... it's changed the pitch of your voice. No, he he doesn't know what he's talking about. He's just he's just trying to fit in. He's just trying to be cool <laughs> because people are making jokes and he's just trying to join them. Jonathan, you've got a great personality. Thanks for coming on the podcast. <laughs> Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks for checking out Newsworthy with Norsworthy. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. You are now adjourned.